Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right. Good morning, fellow people. How are y'all today? All right. Um, I want to start out just remind you in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to have Easter Sunday, and that's always an exciting time for us. Um, last year, we had over 1,500 people, or around 1,500, attend our Easter services. And so what that means is we really want to encourage you to do three things. Number one is attend one of our services. There'll be five of them. There'll be two on Saturday, three on Sunday. Invite or bring someone with you. Um, out of all the year long, Easter may be your best opportunity to get people who would not normally go to church to go to church. And so we want to encourage you to invite someone to come to one of the Easter services with you. And then the third thing, if you can, is we need extra help. You know, doing a lot of things from the simple to greeting to um, uh, working in our children's or preschool areas. We need lots of extra help. or in the, the donut bar, coffee bar, um, whatever you want to call it. But we need lots of extra help. And you can sign up for that online. Just go to our uh, website, greenwood.church. And what we'd also ask you to do is, is as soon as you can to go ahead and choose a service and register for that service. It's free. We're just trying to um, make sure that we don't have one service or two or whatever that uh, have more people than we're able to seat. And so if you don't mind helping us out with that, uh, we would love to, to help you with that. And um, first of all, I'll be praying that um, God would bring people. Every year, last year, I believe it was 30 or 40 people um, that accepted Christ. I don't remember exactly, but um, it's a great opportunity for people to hear the gospel. Bring your friends. Um, I know Brandon's got some um, exciting things planned, and I think we're going to have a great day. And so we really want to encourage you about that day to be praying for us and be praying uh, for those that you might invite to come and be a part of that service. Um, we are continuing today in Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 in just a moment. Um, we've talked about being justified by faith and what that means that we've been placed into a right standing with God. And what we also want to do is we want to talk about um, some of the other results that come uh, because of Jesus' death and resurrection from the cross and what that means to us every day. And one of the main things is that, that not only um, did Jesus die for sins, he died unto sins. And what that means is that after he was resurrected, he came in a glorified body that can no longer be tempted. And because of that, he broke the power of sin that sin had over us. And so that's something that we celebrate. So right now, if you'd stand with me, please, and honor the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin... How can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. 
And since we died with Christ, we know we, also, we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Thank you so much. You may be seated. You know, Jesus, there's a reason why he was born as we are here on this earth and yet without sin. You know, he was born. uh, We don't know a whole lot about his childhood. You know, we know that Herod tried to have him killed. And no, I'm not crying all the way through the service. It's just allergies. I'm going to tell you that up front. Stinking allergies. That's one of the things that will be gone when Jesus comes back. So can I get an amen, brothers and sisters? Come on. All right. So not only that, we don't know much about his childhood. We don't know much of his teenage years. He didn't even start his ministry until he was 30 years old. And all during that time, he was subject to temptations. Now, we know that right before he began his ministry, that he went out and he, he fasted and prayed in the desert for 40 days. And then Satan came and tempted him once again. But the Bible tells us that we, here's what it says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, yet one who has been tempted in every way as we are and yet without sin. So one of the amazing things about this is that not only did God become flesh and walk among us, but he walked among us over years and decades so that he could understand what it's like to be tempted. He knows every temptation that we have. You know, was Jesus maybe tempted to slap somebody? Sure, but he didn't. And he faced all those things that we face. So when we go to Jesus, he's not like, well, I don't understand that. Why can't you just not do that? He knows what temptation is like, and yet he never sinned. And yet after he was crucified and then resurrected, he came in a glorified body. He appeared to the disciples again, and that's a body that cannot experience temptation anymore. And that's a promise of the body that we will have. We will someday, when we come to know Jesus, when we come face to face with Jesus, excuse me, and after we pass her from this earth or he comes back for us, We'll be given a body that we'll, we'll never be tempted in. We'll never experience that temptation again. And here's why those things are significant, is that we experience this. These passages tells us that we've been buried. We died with Christ. Now that we're in him, we were buried with Christ, and then we rose with him to live in newness of life. And that's why baptism is so important. You know, I, I mean, it's so important We put it on the side of the building. We're Greenwood Baptist Church. And I want to talk to you for just a minute about why baptism is so important. It's because it's a symbol. It's a a, um, a, a confession about what God's done in our hearts. Now, baptism does not save you, okay? But here's why it's so important. It's because in that, we're symbolically buried with Christ. That's what going under the water is like. And then we come out, we're symbolically being raised with Jesus too. And it's important that you're baptized. Now let me tell you a little bit about baptism. If you decide you want to go and do some homework on some Greek words and and how they're translated, let's say, man, I'm going to see what love is. Well, you could go and you could look in the original Greek 
or the, the, the oldest manuscripts that we have or a Greek New Testament. And, and when you, wherever you find love, you'll find one of three words. You'll find um, agape, which means a sacrificial love. You can find phileo. That's where the, the word um, Philadelphia, the, the name of the city Philadelphia came from, was from that Greek word phileo. That's why it's called the city of brotherly love. Um, I don't know if that's really true. They did throw snowballs at Santa at a football game, but that's a whole other deal. All right, but anyway, that's, you could look find that word. If you're looking for like the love between a man and a woman, a physical love, you can find the word eros, okay? And, and so you can go back and you can find those in the Greek manuscript. But if you decide, well, I want to see what, the, you know, what the, the, the root of the word baptize is, you're going to go back and when you look in the Greek, you're going to find baptize, baptizo. That's the word. It's not translated. They just took the Greek word and put it in the English. And the, the Greek word has one meaning. It means to be immersed, to go under the water. That's what baptism is. And the reason why it's so important is, number one, Jesus thought it was important enough that he did it as an example for us. Before he began his ministry, he went out and was baptized in front of the whole world, okay? And now when we do that, we're, we're confessing to the world what God has done in our hearts. And we are being buried with him and resurrected with him. And that's why baptism is important. It's one of the, you know, that and the Lord's Supper are the two things that we do that Jesus also did while he was on this earth and commanded us to do. He said, go into all the world baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He told us to do the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. That's two things. He didn't tell us, hey, wear your hair this way or walk this way. or do. Those are the two things he told us to do. Now, some of you here, you were baptized before you were saved. Maybe, you know, your church had a different definition. Although, I'm just going to tell you, there's only one definition, and it's immersed. All right? If you want to argue with me, go back and argue with the Greek people that made up the word in the first place. It's immersed, okay? Any other thing that's called baptism is not really baptism. And if you were baptized before you were saved, all you got was wet, Okay? Now, your parents, maybe they chose that for you and that was their way of dedicating you to God. Hey, that's cool. But you still have to make a decision about what you're going to do with Jesus. And after you're baptized, excuse me, after you're saved, the Bible says you need to be baptized. You can go look through the scripture and find all kinds of instances where when people were saved, they were baptized right after. It's the first act of obedience. Now, here's the thing. If you've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're saved. Being baptized is not going to make you more saved. But here's something that I've noticed through, I'm not going to how many, but multiple decades of serving the Lord. Is that if you choose not to do the very first thing God tells you to do after you're baptized, it gets easier to not do the things he tells you to do. And I've seen a correlation a lot of times between people who choose not to get baptized are gone a lot of times. Not always. Some of y'all maybe may have not, not have it in the right order. Maybe you got baptized and then you got saved later. Or maybe you didn't know that that meant immersion. And, and here's what I want to encourage you to do. 
This is not trying to make anybody feel guilty about the past. What I'm telling you is, this is important. The scripture tells us baptism is important. And so what I'd encourage you to do is get in touch with one of our staff and set up a time to be baptized as soon as possible. Now, here's one of the great things about it. That kind of weird uncle in your family that, you know, maybe is, is a little bit out there and doesn't want to talk about religion and won't ever come to church, he will come to church if you ask him to come watch you be baptized. And all y'all, if, if you don't have a weird uncle like that, it might be you. I'm just saying. <laughs> Everybody's got somebody that they love, that they care about, that they would love to come to church and they won't come. But you know what? They might come for your baptism. That's an advantage to that. But what I want to encourage you to do is to get that right. Is to get it straight, to get it in the right order. And, and you know, as Nike said, just do it. All right? Forget what people are going to think. You know what they're going to think? Man, that's awesome they got baptized. That's all they're going to think. That's it. They're going to celebrate with you. So if you don't have that done, you don't have it in the right order, just get it done. Call us. We'll schedule a day and we'll baptize you. All right? And look, I understand some of you are like, well, I don't like, you know, being up in front of people. Now I'm fitting to, I'm fitting to go back to my seminary, you know, how to project guilt on the people phase for just a moment. So just allow me this, all right? Here's the thing. And it's, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but it's the truth. When Jesus was crucified for you, it was in front of the whole world. And it wasn't a comfortable thing. I think we all know that. And so I get it that it may not be comfortable to do that in front of people. But here's why it's important we do it. Because Jesus died in front of the whole world for us. And so when we identify with him, we're baptized in front of the world too. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have that right, or you have questions about it, let us know. You want to talk about it some more? Let us know. We'd love to talk to you about it. But get that right. Okay? Now, that was all for free. You don't have to throw anything extra in the plate. Let's move on. So here's the deal. Here's, here's why that going under the water is so important. is because when we die with, to, with Christ, the Bible says we died with him now. We're dying to sin. See, Jesus didn't die, just die for our sins. He died to sin. And he died to break the power of sin for each one of us. And so when we're crucified with him, we're dying to sin. When we go under the water, that's the symbolic of death. Why should we keep on sinning? God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? That's one of the great truths. You know, the, the Bible tells us that when you are a, you're lost, you're a slave to sin. Jesus said it clearly in John 8, 34. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. You know, and that's why you look around and you're like, how can these people out here doing these things, why can't they just stop doing them? Or why don't they know? Because they're a slave to sin. And so were we before we met Jesus. And you know what? Here's the thing about it. That doesn't mean that they don't have a conscience, that they can't understand right from wrong. God gave them that too. And so they know right from wrong. But here's the thing. You're a slave to it. I mean, think about this for just a minute. If you choose to go out and you, you, you never commit just one lie, do you? 
If you go out and lie to somebody about something, there's always a lie that comes after that lie to cover up that lie. There's always another lie after that. If you choose to do something that's sneaky and underhanded or whatever, or that you know you're not supposed to, there's always something else that comes behind it. Sin always wants more of you. It's never enough, and it will always keep pulling you in. And here's the thing, is that everyone who sins is a slave of sin, but Christ died so that we could be set free from slavery. That's what freedom means. It's free from slavery. And here's the thing about sin. It is a harsh taskmaster. It will, sin will take you farther than you want to go, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay, and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin wants to destroy you. The enemy wants to destroy you through sin. And here's how the, how the enemy does it. He promises all these great and wonderful things, doesn't he? He promises you this. He promises you that. I mean, have you ever seen a, an alcohol commercial on TV where they showed a guy drunk in his own vomit laying in the gutter? Nope. They're always at the coolest party with the coolest people. They always look perfect. They don't ever show the after effects. You don't ever see that because that's not how sin works. Sin promises what it can't deliver. I mean, how many times do these... It, it makes it look like, hey, if you just drink the right brand, dude, you're going to have all the, all the chicks you can want for dudes. You're going to be with all the coolest people. Y'all really, you know, we know it doesn't work, but people still get sucked into it because we're slaves to sin. Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism Look, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Jesus also said, a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. And then in Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My old self has been crucified with Christ. That part of me that wanted to do sin, that wanted my own pleasures, that wanted those things, it's been crucified. Now, we live in kind of the in-between world right now. All right? We live in this place where we've been set free from the power of sin but we still struggle with sin because we still have the sin nature that we were born with and we still live in a fallen world. We're still here. But there's going to come a day when we're not going to struggle with sin anymore, when that power is going to be completely erased. Now, we're free from it, and here's the part that, that's hard for us sometimes. You only, when you sin, it's because you chose sin. As believers, when we sin, it's because we chose to sin. There's not been one time where I've looked back and thought, hey, you know what? I sinned. Totally not my fault. I mean, it was because, you know, it was totally not. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a choice. I, didn't, I mean, you always have a choice. Now, I want y'all to listen to me carefully. 
No, what any, there are people that are going to do stuff. But nothing anybody else does can make you sin. Y'all hear me on that? There's nothing that anyone else does that can make you sin. Oh, you don't know though. I mean, they did this and I just had to say that. Nope, you chose to say it. Well, they did this and so, you know, I can't just stand by and let it. So I had to, nope, you didn't. You chose it. We choose our own sin. If the Bible's true and sin has no power over us, then any sin we commit is because we chose to commit that sin. And you know what? There's always this, this idea in there that, that, man, you know what? I said it and I felt good right afterwards. Regret comes later, doesn't it? You know what? I ain't never heard anybody yet tell me. I have yet to have somebody come up and say, man, a few years ago, I had this chance to sin and I resisted the temptation and I have regretted it ever since. I have yet to have anybody come in and tell me a story like that. I don't have one. You see, here's the thing. God gives us the opportunity to choose. And when we sin, it's because we chose to sin. And to try to blame it on what somebody else did is an excuse. I know some are going, well, you, you, don't, you don't know what they said you chose. If somebody else can make you sin, then they have control over you. And the scripture says, no one, nothing has control over you except God. Except what you choose to do. Sin's been put to death. And not only that, we have a new life now. When we were raised up out of the water, when we were raised because of a relationship with Jesus, we've been given a new life. It says on further down in chapter 6, since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And because of that, death doesn't have any power over us. You know, here's the deal. We're going to die. Our, our, this body's going to die, but I ain't going to die. If you know Jesus... The, your body, this temporary dwelling is going to die, but you're not going to die. The moment this, this thing quits working, you're going to be in the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's not a cruel thing, that's a mercy. That we don't have to continue to be here and to struggle in sin. We don't have to endure the difficulties of this life. There's going to come a day, God knows when the day is, that we're going to be set free from all that. Death doesn't have power over you. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive 
to God through Christ Jesus. We've been made alive. You're, you're alive because of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. We're dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins. We've been made alive through Jesus. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of, in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Here's the deal. We've been justified because of what Jesus did and made alive in a relationship. We have a relationship now with God. And God wants us to walk and to live in this newness of life, in this now free and open relationship with Him. We don't have to be, we don't have to shrink from Him because of guilt. Jesus paid the price of guilt. We don't have to keep our distance because we've, we've got sin in our lives, because we blew it five years ago, because we did this, because Jesus paid the price for that. But it wasn't just so we could be forgiven, it's so that we could live with him now, so that we could have a relationship with him now. And that relationship is life. Do you know what the work of the enemy is? The work of the devil is to separate you from life. That's what he means when he says he has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, he can't kill you, can't kill your soul, because Jesus has set you free from that, but he can sure enough separate you from life. Now, what does that mean? It means this. God's life. Jesus is life. And the closer we are to him, the more life we get. How does Satan want to kill that? He wants to pull you back into the power of sin. He wants to try to lie to you. Hey, you know what? God's just trying to keep you from having fun. God's just trying to keep something from you. He does it through different ways. He does it by trying to tempt us back into sin. If that doesn't work, he'll try to separate us from the church. I've heard all kinds of reasons why people left the church. Some of them are valid. But a lot of them were going, I don't like that guy. They said something to me. Or they look, look mean at my kid. Now I'm done. I'm out of here. I've talk, I've, every time I'm like, dude. Or dudette, whether you're female, I know, whatever. There's over 11, 1,200 people that attend this church on a regular basis. You don't like one. There ain't 1,199 others you can find a friendship with. We got three services. It's a big room. Is there not room here? Let me tell you what. The work of demons is to divide God's people. And here's something, this may be a shock to you. The Bible tells us, love one another. Guess what? 
Love's a decision. Love's a choice. But nowhere in the Bible says you got to like everybody. Ooh. There's some people you just, it doesn't work. So what? Choose to love them and don't use it as an excuse to be divided. The enemy wants to divide us. First thing he wants to do is to pull you away from the church. He's going to tell you all kinds of, oh, you don't need no church to be spiritual. You can go outside and be spiritual all by yourself every weekend. Yep, you can and you should. But you know what the Bible also says? Don't forsake the gathering together. You need other believers. You need the truth that comes through the teachings in the house, in the, in the, in the place of God. You need that. Isolation breeds deceit. The more isolated you become from other believers, the more you are open to deceit. The more you are around the truth and around other people who believe the truth, the more the truth gets in you. You want to walk? You want to be wise? Walk with people that are wise. You want to be an idiot? Walk with idiots. I paraphrase. <laughs> Anyhow. The enemy wants to divide you from the things of God. He wants to pull you away from the Word. He wants to pull you away from that relationship. That's how he, he kills your walk with God and your effectiveness. <clears throat> and then there's a, you know, my favorite one. Well, you know, I, there's, the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. It used to make me feel defensive. Well, we're, not, we're not hypocrites. Finally, I just came, you know, I got over that. I started people say, yeah, you're right. We are a bunch of hypocrites. We got room for you too, so come on. <laughs> There's not a single person in here that, that is free of hypocrisy. Is there anybody in here that never does something they know is wrong? Is there any parent in here that's ever told their kids not to do something that they've done? Kids, y'all don't watch that part. Y'all just keep your heads down. Is there anybody in here that knows things you're supposed to do and you don't do it? And you've even told other people to do them, but you didn't do it. You know what that makes us? We're all hypocrites. There's only been one that's ever walked this earth that wasn't a hypocrite, and that was Jesus. We're all hypocrites. To some degree. So I tell people, so what? That's just an excuse. That's the way that the enemy wants to divide you and pull you away from life. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set yourself on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ in your life is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Now, here, here's the thing about that. You're like, man, that's just hard. Of course it is. It's going to be a struggle because we're in that in-between place where we're fighting our sin nature and what we want and what we want to do and what we think would be good. And that place where we're going to be set free from all that because we're going to get a body like Jesus and we're not going to 
face temptation anymore because we're going to be transformed completely in his image in that moment. We're in that in-between place. And the only chance you have to defeat those things that are trying to defeat you, those sins, those attitudes, those divisiveness, is by hanging on to that relationship with Jesus. Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Now listen to this next verse, this word, this sentence. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, here's the bad news. We still struggle with sin here on this earth. Here's the good news. You can defeat it. You can choose right. And here's the best news. You don't have to do it on your own strength. The more you remain in Christ and the more that relationship with him grows, the more you defeat those temptations and those sins that want to defeat you. You know, I'm going to talk about a word here that's essential in this relationship. That's the word prayer. Now, everybody, you know, when we think prayer, we think, okay, you know, I got to, you know, I'm going off or what we do in church. You know, several years ago, at the end of the service, I'd be standing up here and I would look around and I'd ask somebody to dismiss us with prayer at the end. And I'd, I didn't ask, you know, I'd just do that. And you ain't never seen the kind of physical maneuvering that people would do to not look me in the eye at the end of the service because they knew it was coming. I mean, people would be like doing all kinds of stuff, falling, you know, laying over backwards over the pews. Law, just don't let him look at me. I don't want to be, and I understand that because we're thinking, oh, prayer, you know, I, I got to talk King James, thou artist, a greatest, you know, all this stuff. You got, I got to talk different when I'm praying and, but here's the deal, and, and I, I'm not making fun. I know people, you know, they freak out about doing stuff in public, in front of people, and I understand that. I get that. I'm not trying to make fun of people for that. But here's the deal. We've gotten this thing about prayer, that prayer is, well, I should speak. Man, I, I knew people that, you know, they'd talk just like I do when I was growing up, and then they'd be asked to pray. Oh, I mean, man, it'd be like, a, I'm like, who are you? Who is this person? Let me tell you what prayer is. It's just a conversation. It's a conversation between you and God. And, and guess what? God's not up there going, man, I sure hope they tell me what I want to hear in this prayer. You know what? He, he wants you to be you and to be authentic and to speak to him as you'd speak to somebody else. Yet with awe and reverence. I'm not telling you to be irreverent. You know what, David? There's times you'd read through the Psalms, David would say, God, I'm mad at you. Why is this happening? Why haven't you taken care of this? Why are you allowing this to go on? I don't think this is fair. Guess what? God's big enough to handle your heart. Be honest. You know what? One of the most honest prayers I've, I've prayed, and it was one of the most significant, 
was at one point I prayed, you know what, God, I know that this attitude in my heart is wrong, but I don't really know that I want to change it. And I'm going to need you to do something in my heart to change it. And that was the beginning of the change. See, God, he's not up there going, well, I hope they come up and, you know, say thou at least five times in this prayer. He wants to hear your heart. And you don't have to have your head bowed and your eyes closed. The reason we do that is so we can focus. It helps us focus sometimes. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm, you know, if I got my eyes open, I'm like, man, what's going on over there? What's that dude doing? Why is this guy? I mean, my mind tends to wander. It's to help us focus. But you don't have to have your eyes closed and your head bowed to pray. It's a conversation between you and God. You need to talk to God every day. Some of us don't. So maybe before we go to bed or do something like that, you know, Paul talks about praying without ceasing. He's not talking about getting off by himself all the time in a prayer closet, which is fine, and talking to God that way. He's talking about praying to God all day long, no matter what he's doing, no matter who's around him. Hey, God, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I need help. I need strength. See, that's the thing. We, we're now... The Bible says we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We can enter the throne room of God with confidence to find help and grace in time of need. That comes through conversation, which we title as prayer. That, that's just a way of, of labeling a conversation between us and God. You need to be in that relationship. Apart from him, you can do nothing. But in him, nothing's impossible. You know that sin you think you just can't get control of? You can. That comes back to the last thing, which is living free. Do not let sin control the way you live, do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now that freedom means that we've been set free from sin. Because here's the thing about sin. There are always consequences. Living in Christ allows us to live free from sin. And that's the life of believers. Now we're going to, we fail. We don't blame that failure on somebody else. We repent of it. And that means to turn away from our sin and to return again to Him. And that's, you know, the, the beautiful promise we have is that we have been given this new life that is filled with power. We have the power over sin. 
We have the power over our own choices. We have the power to live a life that pleases Him. But we have to exercise it. You know, I could, I could preach about the realities of the cross and the resurrection every day for the rest of my life and not get everything into a message that I need to get. But here's what I want you to remember is these three things is that sin's been put to death. The power of sin over you has been broken. That you have a new life and a new station with Christ. A new place. A new opportunity. And that in Him, through that relationship, there is nothing that is impossible. Nothing. You know, we need to step up. One of the things that we tell our kids a lot of times when they're going somewhere, we tell them this, they remember who you are. And who are they? We've taught them they're, they're our child, but most importantly, they're God's child. And when we say remember who you are, it's because we want them to live remembering that. We want them to live in the light of that. And God wants you to live in the light of knowing that you are his child, his son or his daughter, and that he did not even spare his only son. He didn't spare him. But Jesus came and died on the cross so that we could belong to him, so that we could be set free, and so that we could live free. So quit living, living a life of slavery. Quit going back to slavery and live free. That's the promise, and that's the opportunity we have as believers. Now, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, here's the, the truth according to Scripture. You're still a slave to sin, but you don't have to be. That sin, the enemy wants to use it to destroy you. He wants to destroy everything you love and everyone around you that you love. He wants to separate you from every good thing. But here's the good news. Jesus came and died on the cross so you can be free of it. The wages of sin is death, says on down in Romans 6.23. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it's your choice. You get to choose. And so no matter how you came in here, you can be free of that. Here's how you do it. Number one, you got to admit you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Number two, you have to believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he rose on the third day according to scripture. And then last, you got to confess Jesus as Lord. But if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9 and 10. You got to turn away from your sins, ask forgiveness. And if you're willing to do those things, guess what? God justifies you, gives you a new life, wipes out the record of wrongs that you've committed. 
and calls you son and daughter. If that's you, and you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that you have peace with God and that that's going to last for all eternity, I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. Here's what I want to ask you to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes so we can concentrate. (laughs) And if that's you and you'd like to do that today, you can repeat this prayer after me or you can pray it in your own words. You can just pray in your heart. God will hear you either way. But I want you to pray it with me right now. So I'm going to ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray this with me now. Dear God, thank you for loving me. And thank you for Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life, and cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day, according to scripture. So today, I turn from my sins. I trust Jesus as my Savior. And I confess him as my Lord. Now here's all I'm going to ask you to do right now. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I want you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, everyone, please. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. Just keep looking until until our eyes make contact. If I don't see you in a minute, you can kind of lift your hand up so I can see you. Keep looking until I see you. Okay, all right. Okay. Now here's what I want to encourage you to do. John will be here at the front of the sanctuary at the end of the service in just a few moments after we dismiss in prayer. Just walk up to him and say, hey, I prayed that prayer and I trusted Jesus. And we'd love to set up a time to talk with you. We can have somebody do it today if you'd like. We don't want anything from you. You don't have to be a member of our church. We just want you to understand what's happened and know about the next steps in following Jesus. And we'd love to help you with that. If you don't have time to talk to somebody today, there's a number on the screen. You can just text, I did it, to that number, and we'll get back with you and set up a time to talk to you. But we'd love to walk you through that. We don't want anything from you. We're not going to put you on a mailing list. We're not going to bug you. We just want to help you. So right now, I want to pray for those that have trusted Christ today and pray that God would help each of us to know and understand who we are in Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love and your mercy to us. Father, I pray for those that have made a decision today to trust you as their Savior and as their Lord. Father, I just pray for blessings on their life. I pray you would speak to them through your Bible as they read your your word. I pray that other believers would encourage them as they share about their new relationship with you. And Father, I pray that they would find a church home to grow, whether that's here or somewhere else. Father, we just thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, 
please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.